welcome to episode 21 of the Ornithopter Flight Academy. I'm your host, Brendan, joined as always by Josh. Josh, how are we doing today? I am doing well, thank you. Finally able to record. We had some technical difficulties, uh, a.k.a. Josh's internet stopped working for a while. Partially working. It was weird. It was like, yeah, it was kind of working, but not really. Um, it wasn't working well enough for us to record, so... Uh, speaking of us recording, full forewarning for everyone, we're trying a new way to record. Uh, last week's episode had some issues that I couldn't edit out, so we just had to roll with it. Um, so I'm hoping recording this way works a little better and sounds a little better. Uh, make sure to reach out, let us know what you think. Uh, if you like this way better, if it sounds better, this episode does, or if it sounds worse, uh, feedback would definitely be appreciated. But yeah, what you been up to, man? You been playing any magic lately? played a little bit of Magic this week, tried out some of that blue-black aggro deck and played a couple of Commander games. Been busy with the uh, convention coming up this weekend. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, War Games North, the shop that Jeff works at, or that Josh works at for Jeff, uh, puts on a convention here in Cadillac, Michigan every year. Um, so, it's happening April 1st. Sounds like it's going to be pretty busy. Uh, all the vendors are sold out and everything, right? Yeah, yeah, it's all sold out. Uh, he's expecting uh, around 700, 750 people through the door this, this year. That's that's really, really good. And, and for those of you that don't know, the population of Cadillac is somewhere around 10,000. So that's 10% of the town, roughly. I mean, obviously people are coming from the surrounding areas. So... Um, I, as well, have been playing some Magic. Mostly, uh, I played some Red Black in Pioneer. Uh, I started playing some Creativity in Pioneer. And then playing a lot of Reanimator on Arena and Standard. Doing some Phyrexial will be one drafts on Arena. Um, but yeah, been selling a lot of cards on TCG Player. So that takes up a lot of my time. But it's been uh, it's been good. I don't think there's anything super newsworthy this week, um, because mostly everything that's came out has been spoiler stuff, and we're going to talk about all of that next week. Possibly every single card, if I can talk Josh into it. That's but a lot of cards. That is a lot of cards. It'd be fun to do. I feel like we did up skimming a bunch of room, uh, but we're going to do a, a deep dive next week's episodes. Going to be a long one, so this one's probably going to be a little shorter. Uh, this week we're just going to talk about uh, Phyrexia All Will Be One, our thoughts on the set, where we think they did well, where we think they missed, what we were right about, what we were wrong about. So, where do you want to start things off with this, Josh? Well, I want to start off with... I think they finally did Poison really well on this set. Toxic played really nicely, both in draft and constructed. It hasn't run rampant over Commander, although it has reinvigorated the Poison theme in Commander. Uh, I think they finally nailed the the head of the nail there with Toxic. I, I really like the... You, you have two things that matter. You have Poison that matters, but it doesn't take over the game you also have combat damage that matters yeah you never it, and it never feels combo-y like you're just getting randomly one-shotted by 
a 1-1 flyer that's getting pumped a whole bunch or something crazy like that. And, and, and I like cards like Scralp's Hive, you know, where y you get a benefit for getting a little bit of poison on your opponent. The corrupted mechanic with the with the toxic, it just, it really, it worked. It worked well. It, it was one of those instances, too, where I think it played better than it read in a lot of cases. You know, there's a lot of limited decks I played where I never want, my plan was never to kill you a toxic, but I did plan on getting three poison counters on you. Um, throughout the game, so my cards got better. So, no, limited, it felt super strong, but not busted. It it became a standard deck, which is kind of impressive within itself. You know, back in the day, there was three blocks that all kind of shared mechanics and themes, or three sets in a block. Yep. So this is one set that contains 99% of that deck, and uh, they made it work. Yeah, and... It, it, like I said, it worked in Commander. Uh, people are playing some of these cards in Commander, and they're doing just fine. They're mixing them in with older Poison cards and older Infect cards uh, to go for a more poisony route. Uh, they're playing it for a little bit of value on some of the cards with the Corrupted mechanic. Uh, they're using it as a combo-y sort of thing with proliferating up uh, a couple of counters that they got from you know some of these toxic cards uh, but it doesn't feel dominating like you know, when i played a few commander games i didn't just you know roll into non-stop infect decks all day long either which in fact in commander is pretty nuts because you only need 10 poison counters to kill somebody instead of 40 health right you think that if it was too good that's where it would shine the most or or, or maybe not shine uh or be the uh the most egregious in commander because when poison is good it's too good in commander and it wasn't it was fine yeah um i guess what do you think the big miss in the set was where do you think do you think they fumbled anywhere i mean overall i really really enjoyed the set uh, constructed and limited wise uh, what do you think they messed up so I don't think they outright messed up on anything but I do think the oil counter uh, mechanic in the set isn't really going to hold up over time uh, it's too specific it feels very much like charge counters which I'm sure was intentional it's, it's probably a throwback to charge counters I think they could have just done this with charge counters, though. Why Why create oil counters? Why not just use charge counters? Because flavor. That's why. Yeah. You're, Ish. You're, your stuff's getting Phyrexianized. Phyrexianized? Completed. There we go. Completed. It's getting completed. Yeah. I, and I understand that. You got Phyrexian oil running all over the place, and so you use these oil counters to, to show that, you know, it's, it's everywhere and that <laughs> For the sake of the game, though, it would have made more sense just to use a counter that already existed, if not charge counters, something else, although I don't know what would work better than charge counters. Right. Maybe they were just worried because there's so much stuff where counters matter. Um, they didn't want to accidentally make something too good, so they just didn't, I guess. Well, that's possible. Uh, it's... Especially, yeah. I mean, especially because it's not for standard. You know, I'm sure they test standard still. But, you know, maybe they didn't feel like going through and testing a whole bunch of modern with that, you know, adding all that time and whatnot. I mean, 
they do have a lot of time to build these sets, but it, it's also on a schedule. So maybe they just shortcut stuff like that. Like, hey, we don't want to deal with it. Um, we're not going to, you know, do it. My, uh, my biggest complaint about the set uh, comes from the constructed side. There are, like, almost zero four mirroring cards that are standard playable. Yeah, like, that's entirely true. Yeah, you know, the, like they went real safe with those. They're supposed to, and I get it. After the batter skull fiasco that happened a decade plus ago, um, I know you and I've talked about Dragon Wing Glider being like one line of text away from being possibly playable and standard. It's close. Um, and they gave you uh, what was that red white uncommon that Bladehold War Whip? Yeah. Uh, you know, there was almost a deck there, but it's just a pile of bad cards. Especially, it would have been cool with some synergies. You know, we have a sword in this set. There's a sword coming out in uh, March of the Machine. So, I don't Finally, know. Finally. We got them all. Got to catch them all. Yeah. We Pokemon them. Got them all. Ash I've be not been us. real impressed with several of the recent ones, <laughs> yeah. but got to catch them all anyway. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I was kind of disappointed with that. That's if I had one gripe about it. Um, besides that, I think it mixed up standard enough. It didn't do anything uh, drastic, but it added, it created a new archetype, uh, which you know, is hard to do sometimes. And all these cards see play in various formats. I think there's cards that have a lot of room to do very cool things. So. Several of the cards in this set uh, made splashes. I think they did well overall with this set. Atrax is the new best creature in Magic. It's seen play everywhere. Um, All for One is now a you know combo deck. You got to keep in mind when you play you know Modern and things like that. Uh, you have the Toxic deck that you know run uh, ran rampant over a, a tournament there for a minute. In Japan, you have uh, a ossification is a removal spell seeing play in multiple formats now. Uh, it definitely added some powerful stuff. I mean, then we can talk about some of the more casual uh, cards like Encroaching Mycosith is a card that people are playing around with. Ikermoon Gauntlet. Uh, they added Jace the Perfected Mine for those people who just love playing mill decks. Uh, Mind Splice Apparatus, Mercurial Spell Dancer. Uh, all of the completed Planeswalkers, really. Nissa's a lot of fun to play with. Uh, they added a lot of really cool cards in the set, and they're seeing play, so they, they succeeded with the set, I think. Yeah, overall, I think this is one of the best sets to come out in the last couple of years. Uh, probably my favorite set since Neon Dynasty. Um, still, I still like Dominaria United a lot. I still pick that one. but Yeah, just overall... I like a lot of the cards of this set, uh, but for me, it's probably nostalgia, you know, back when we first started hanging out and I started playing Magic. You know, my first competitive, quote-unquote, Magic deck I ever bought and built, which I wish I still had because I played a place at a Mox Opal. Um, or not, Mo Mox Opal? I think it was Mox Opal. That's yeah, Mox the Opal. Uh, Metalcraft yeah, Mox. Yeah, in my head, I thought that was the White Mox for a second. Anyways, so yeah, Mox Opal. Mox, that's, that's Mox Pearl. Yeah, there we go. Um, it, close. But no, uh, 
Yeah, same card, really. Yeah. No difference. <laughs> oh, <laughs> same price too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, but no, uh, I played Cadalta Red, you know, and uh, the new Phyrexia set, uh, the block. Uh, what was uh, what was the name of the scars mirrored and block? Scars mirrored and block. Yeah, it was uh, scars besieged and new Phyrexia. Yeah. So, yeah, I. Uh, I think that uh, that's probably why I like this set so much overall is because, you know, nostalgia, uh, which I think they did really well on multiple levels. Um, I guess, you know... This we're... this set's got something for everybody, and, and that is the sign of a good set. Yeah, for sure. There's uh, There's quite a bit here. It was very hyped up. You know, people are saying it's going to going to break standard it's going to be the most impactful set since war of the spark which isn't quite true um i don't know i um, honestly i think these cards are far less impactful than kamigawa and dominaria yeah there's no fable the mirror breaker there's no shieldred there's, there's no, no sh cut down there's no ley line of binding yeah there's uh i mean i do think that ella Schnorn, i think we're everyone was a lot of people were kind of slow on her. Um, that is a good card in some constructed formats that I wasn't expecting it to be in. Um, I guess we get into that. What are your, uh, what are your, were your overhyped cards? Cards that everyone was excited about that uh, are now not good. Uh, Conduit of Worlds. I remember. Uh, there was actually somebody that, uh, I'm not going to mention names, but uh, called down to the game shop and told us that we need to buy up every fabled passage in Prismatic Vista that, that we can get our hands on because uh, Conduit of Worlds is a card. It's neat. It's not that good. Yeah, so <laughs> that card, for those who don't know, it's it's two green green, uh, two in uh, green green, so four mana for an artifact that lets you play lands from the graveyard a la Ramanop Excavator or um, Crucible Worlds. And then its other ability is Tap, and you get to pick a non-land permanent in your graveyard. If you haven't cast a spell that turn, you can cast it, but then you can't cast any additional spells. So it lets you reuse your graveyard. Mainly it lets you play lands from your graveyard, which is cool, but definitely not the uh, powerhouse that some people thought this was going to be. This is not Crucible of Worlds, mainly because you don't have access to strip mine and wasteland which is what really makes that card oppressive yeah and every format that doesn't have crucible worlds also doesn't have fetch lanes so uh yeah it's it's neat i don't know maybe there's a, a lord or what's the uh solo wing grace maybe there's a solo wing grace deck after rotation where that the, card will get this shot. card screams to me third copy of crucible in your uh commander deck Th that's what this <laughs> yeah. card screams to me that that's all this card reads uh but man people were really hyped about this card when it came out um it didn't last that long but they were very very hyped about it uh, that's probably my pick for most overrated card mm. i think i got you on one which one's that icker moon gauntlet I mean, that was a 20-something dollar card for a little bit. Twitter blew up. Like, I saw tweets where people were like, Wizards, what were you thinking? This is so good. Um, so, 
Ikker Moon Gauntlets, a two and a blue for an artifact. It's a mythic. It says Planeswalkers you control have zero loyalty proliferate and minus 12 take an extra uh, turn after this one. And whenever you cast a non-creature spell, choose a counter on target permanent. Put an additional counter on that kind of uh, of that kind on that permanent. Um, yeah, everyone went nuts over that, and I don't think I've seen that card in play. Uh, it's seen cool. it in play in Commander. Well, that's the issue. Is like, unless you're playing like pretty casual Commander, Planeswalkers usually aren't that great. Like yeah, they're, like they're not that good in Commander. So, now I remember this was super expensive card. I wonder. I wonder what it is now. Take what's your guess? Currently, uh, it's like seven, eight bucks. Is it maybe really still six? That much? Yeah, it's still a bit because it's still a cool card. I mean, uh, so anything that gives effects like this, like this, is unique. There, there isn't another card that does something similar to this. So it's going to hold a little bit of value. But yeah, this it was twenty five bucks, I think, at its peak, which is kind of nuts. I sure hope nobody bought it for twenty five bucks and is now regretting that. I'm sure there's plenty of people that did that. Um, fear of missing out, man. FOMO, it's a real thing. Yeah, for sure. They sold fast. People were excited about it. Um, there were several other cards in the set that I thought uh, were a little overhyped. I think Mercurial Spell Dancer is a little bit overhyped. Uh, everybody thought this was just going to be unstoppable in uh, older formats. Um, Tyvar is another card that's kind of bottomed right out. That was a card that people were very excited about for uh, Elf decks, and it turns out that it's just okay. Yeah, it's, it's fine. Not, it's not insanely powerful. It's not game-breaking. Uh, it's a decent addition to the right deck. And that's good. I, I like it when they print cards that get people real worked up, and uh, and they end up being playable but not broken. Right. Uh, a Phyrexian Obliterator was one that a lot of people... Oh, yeah. This is, you know, Mono Black's going to be so tough to beat. You know, it's that's the weird thing about preview season is everyone puts on these blinders, you know, and I do it too sometimes. I'm just as guilty of forgetting, you know, the other good cards that have to compete with that slot. You know, as long as Phyrexian Obliterator is in standard, Shieldred will also be in standard. Um, oh, yeah. Like... Uh, it's easier to cast and probably just a better Shieldred's card. just better. Like, like on every level. Not, not probably. It is just a better card. Um, I, I did miss one, uh, one key card that I, I definitely should have mentioned. Okay. The Eternal Wanderer. Supposedly the most dominant limited card ever, even more so than uh, GTA. I never said more than JIT, all right? Turns out, it's just pretty good. It's just okay, to be fair. I mean, when everyone was looking at this, no one thought that, like, two drops was just the most important part of this limited format by a long shot. Um, yeah, that one was a little overhyped for limited. I mean, don't get me wrong, if that card resolved in limited, you probably lost to it. Uh, minor misstep. A lot of people got super excited about that card. I just had to toot my own horn there for a minute. That That is no limited show. Stopper like GTA was. 
Now, if you put so here, here's an interesting question. Let's let's uh, sidetrack for a minute here. If you put GTA in this format, how good would it be? In this limited format, sealed and draft, it'd be busted. Like this is a very aggressive format. Like two drafts, super matter. It'd be super strong. I think. What about if you put it in Brothers War? It would be good. It would be the best card in limited. Yeah, I mean, you know why? Because all you need to do is play any creature that you can equip it to. Yeah, it that card really should have read. You can tell they that card should have read deals combat damage to a player. That oh yeah, that that would have <laughs> changed that card immensely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, all right, side side track over. I just I, I I saw Eternal Wanderer as I was scrolling through, and I was like, oh yeah. Yeah. Any excuse to talk some crap. I understand. Hey, I'll That's take what it. I do. That's what I'll I take do. It. Oh, the everything else I think was pretty fair. What cards do you think? What cards personally were you down on that you weren't super excited for that ended up being pretty good? Um. So I wouldn't say that I was down on the card, but I did not think Atraxa was going to be as good as it was like obviously i read this card and i was like holy crap that is a big giant ball of stats with card advantage built in this card's you know a beast but i didn't realize that it was going to be quite as dominant of a card especially in older formats as it ended up being yeah i was on the same boat i was not high on atraxa at all and yeah tracks really good really 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 good uh, like I was saying earlier, I've been playing a bunch of standard reanimator and putting a tracks in play. I do think it's a little overhyped. Side note, like I think there should be a split between a Traxa and Titan of Industry in that deck. We can talk about that at a different time. Um, but like if coming into it, the set, if you asked me what the number one reanimator target was going to be, I would have told you a uh, Tyrannix Rex would have been because it's harder to answer. It's not legendary. You can put multiple in play. Um, Honestly, yeah. I probably would have been with you. I, mean, I, never, I didn't really think about that beforehand, but I probably would have been with you on that. Yeah, it's the... I guess there's a couple things. Treasure tokens, like when you can make a bunch of Lotus Petals, cards are easier to cast. Come to find out. So just playing a Traxa happens fairly easily in a lot of games and I read this as draw three most of the time and draw three is like the floor with this deck yeah like it almost never draws less than three I don't think I've ever drawn less than three get to have a pretty bad pile yeah um, so yeah the only thing uh, this going back to like the titan of industry split uh, my only issue is it doesn't impact the board immediately. So if you're, you know, backs against the wall against an aggro deck and they have an answer to it, you just die. You know, they you drew some cards and they kill it and swing for lethal and it doesn't matter. But uh, no, I was definitely not that high in that card. That was probably... I mean, you kind of stole my pick there. Let's try to set myself up. Well, well, here, here, here's my second pick. My okay. second pick is actually Elish Norn. 
I thought this was a, a Commander card. It was going to see play tons in Commander because it has lots of cool text. I did not think this was going to see any constructive play at all. And I was definitely wrong on that. It's definitely seen a lot more constructive play than I gave it credit for. Yeah, I lost to it uh, today um, when I was playing Creativity and Pioneer. I played against the Ignomatic Fires deck. And he got Elishnorn in play, and uh, what's the seven drop that steals your permanence? The two three agent of treachery. Oh, agent of treachery. Yeah. Yeah, and he was able to blink his agent. It was a really, really, really not fun time. Blink his so agent. So when I take two permanents. Yeah, that's pretty, that's disgusting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, when I read this card, I saw. A bunch of text that I thought would only really matter in Commander, the uh, double uh, triggered abilities on uh, ETBs uh, and the uh, blanking of opponents, ETB stuff. Like I'm like, th those are Commander-only lines. They're, they're not going to be that relevant in a game. Sure, if you build a deck around this, you'll have some stuff that can take advantage of it, but it's not super relevant. So I really read this card as four and a white for a four-seven Vigilance, which I was like, eh, it's got a big butt. It's okay. But the decks that want to play this have better options turns out that those other lines of text were reasonably relevant, especially with cards like Leyline Binding. Leyline <laughs> uh, Binding, that... uh, Solitude? Like Solitude, the... yeah, and, double triggers on Solitude is pretty theory, sick. Like the four-color mirrors. Um... Not gonna lie, I didn't even think about the yeah. elemental incarnations when I saw this card. Yeah, it stops your opponents. Like, yeah. if they're holding up Solitude as a removal spell, and you resolve just... I mean, cool, dude. Like, you... I mean, there are some decks that can only remove stuff with binding and solitude. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, oh. just, it just straight blanks them. Um, there was I was listening to uh, Dominaria's Judgment. It's a podcast. Uh, Ari Lax is on there, uh, and he had a guest on. I apologize, I don't remember his name, uh, but he was. They just had a whole episode talking about four color, and he said. Elish Norn outperformed way better than he ever thought it would, and in the mirror match, putting this car in play and resolving it won you the game. Like, tutoring for it ended up being a really big deal, so... Uh, yeah, Elish Norn was a card I wasn't super high on, and I think a lot of that, to be fair, at least for me, I know you don't Twitter well, but uh, Sheldon Menry uh, put out a tweet saying that when... Uh, so apparently Wizards of the Coast shows the rules committee cards beforehand sometimes or certain people gets their makes opinion. sense and his exact quote was i beg them not to print this card <laughs> and so of course the the internet went nuts over it um and i don't know like if this is your commander you're playing mono white so i don't think anyone's super scared of it i don't play a whole lot of commander but that's my opinion anyways I don't think you're worried about this card as your commander. This is a card that does things as part of the 99. This this goes in some sort of Bant Flicker deck, yeah, something like that, where Elish Norens is just a insane value. Uh, it can also go into like a like a Hate Bear style deck where this just shuts off a bunch of your opponent's stuff. Yeah. Um, and, and to be fair, I did think this card was going to be good in commander when I saw it. Yeah, it stops Thassa's Oracle. I guess that's pretty relevant in that format, depending on how competitively you're playing. Yep, I mean, then again, it does cost five. 
<laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, you're spending five mana to put a creature into play. You're probably winning in CEDH anyways. So, I, When your answer in CEDH is a five mana creature, <laughs> your answer is bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess the last two that I think everyone missed was, I think it's kind of narrow, but it was Murex and the Seed Core. Uh, both are super, super strong lands. We talked about that last week. How they, last week or the week before, how they interact, and that's part of what makes that green-white toxic deck super, super strong. So, I think that was something that everyone kind of missed. We just kind of scrolled over. Uh, I think Michael Smith Gardens really took the spotlight away because of the... Um, uh, what's that deck called? What's the modern deck? Amulet Titan. Yeah, that one. Yeah, I think we. Which kinda... is funny because that's actually uh, Mycosith has seen a significant drop in price too. People are realizing it's not as effective as they thought it was going to be. It made it faster, like it, or like it arguably made the deck better. But from my understanding. It, it gave you more turn two lines and turn, th turn three lines that you can win with. But it... It also gave you a clunky mana base. I mean, yeah. And whatever. That deck's mana base is weird. It's like a five-color mono-green deck. That plays yeah, with a whole bunch of lands that bounce. <laughs> yeah, like... I think the biggest thing is it didn't shore up any matchups. It didn't go like, okay, my Merktide matchup got a way better because it didn't it didn't get right. it didn't get better at all so yeah i think uh that's probably why it wasn't as good as everyone hoped i mean when you goldfished it it makes the deck way better i kind of want to try it in painter as a one of i've seen it in a few different saga decks using it as uh just a value land that can turn into something relevant at some point uh, yeah. There was uh, a couple of affinity lists that were playing it, and they'd turn it into crap like Nettle Cyst and, you know, just make a land do something. Yeah. Um, what cards do you think we haven't seen or we should be seeing more of? So I do think Mercurial, Mercurial Spell Dancer is going to find a home somewhere along the way. The card's got some pretty powerful text on it. Getting to replay spells is always strong. So I, I would keep your eyes on Spell Dancer. I do think that's a good one. Um, other than that, maybe the uh, Bloaty Contaminator is pretty good. But, I mean, that's not really a card that people don't know about. But it is a 3-mana 4-4 four, four Trampler, which is pretty big. Yeah, so I got a couple cards that I think... Uh, will find a home or should find a home eventually. Maybe the people just aren't playing with them. The meta's not right. Uh, a card I super like is uh, Vraska Betrayal Sting. Uh, the, the Planeswalker? Yeah. Yeah. I uh, It does everything I want from Planeswalker. You can play it for five mana and two life. You can draw cards with it. And you can... Uh, kill stuff with it and it can kind of win you the game with its ultimate but whatever 
uh, just value-wise. Like, I think it's a good card. I just don't think that any standard format or whatever is suited for it right now. But I think it's very possible it could be. The other card, this one sees some play, um, but not nearly as much as I thought it would, and that was Glissa Sunslayer. It's a one uh, black green for a 3-3 three, three with first strike and death touch. And I would have been sold there. But, you know, it deals combat damage. You can draw a card, lose a life, destroy an enchantment, or remove up to three counters from target permanent. Uh, that last ability is going to get real interesting with the battle cards that got previewed that we're going to talk about next week. So, I actually wonder... I mean, it might be good, pretty good with the battles. I will say, I, I played against the card. It's a giant pain in the butt in combat. Like, <laughs> you can't attack into it. You can't block it. It is a pain. So, if any of those uh, battles end up being playable, that's a card you could use to fight with them. Yeah, no, it's... Uh... You can well, you can attack the player still, and then if they have a battle, you can remove the counters from your bat from your battle. Yeah, uh, it just wins in combat a whole bunch. I think Grixis is better than Jund, so that's why we don't see Glissa. But I don't know. It's it's has a black mana symbol in it, and will be in standard the whole time that Shielded is. So definitely some room there. Um, and it and it's just a generally good creature. Like you're not gonna feel bad paying three for uh, a Glissa. Like it comes on a three three, you know, body that can't be blocked. Basically, can't you know can block anything. So like the card is just solid. It's not like you're playing a three mana one one with those abilities. Yeah. Uh, the last two we can kind of tie together, I guess. For me, it's uh, Tyrannix Rex, which we talked about before. It's a seven mana eight eight. That can't be countered. It has Trample, Ward 4, Haste, and Toxic 4. So it's a guaranteed kind of three-turn clock. Um, that card doesn't see any play at all. If there's any kind of ramp strategy or, if, you know, mid-rangey decks go super long, uh, maybe that sees play eventually. And then the other one, kind of the same line, is Thronebreaker of Silence. It is five mana for a 5-5 five, five that can't be countered. As trample, and it can't be the target of non-green spells your opponents control or abilities from non-green sources your opponents control, and it's indestructible on your turn. So, this guy turns sideways. Like, he is super hard to kill in standard right now. If one gets resolved against you, and I think he's like twenty-five cents or something like that, maybe fifty cents. Yeah, he's not expensive. Um, neither is Glissa. No. I would expect him to eventually see more play. Probably. Uh, I, on that note, I'd keep your eyes peeled for Miglaz, too. Yeah. Miglaz is super is way too cheap as well. He, he's a house. He's one red and a green for a 4-4, four, four, and just has a slew of abilities on him as well. You can eat artifacts or enchantments with him. You can make him bigger. You can give him Vigilance and Menace, make him harder to block, leave him back on defense. Like, he's also a pretty solid card. If any sort of red-green aggro 
gets built that isn't super thematically heavy on cards, I, I would expect to see Miglaz in that deck. Yeah, he's starting to show up in Pioneer a little bit, the Gruel Vehicles deck has been playing. Yeah, I have so. seen it a couple of times. So, well, yeah, that's, I think, all the cards in the set uh, that I think are going to kind of show up in a big way, possibly. So, uh, besides Capricious Hellraiser, cards busted. We just don't know how yet. <clears throat> if for those of you that don't understand that reference, go listen to last week's episode. I built a Capricious Hellraiser deck, and it was sweet. Uh, not good. Sweet, for the record. Uh, overall, though, I think I think Wizards knocked it out of the part with this set. Uh, hats off to them. Uh, limited. We didn't even get into that. What do you think about Limited? Uh, limited was fun. It was a very fast-paced format. Uh, I thought that there were a lot of routes you could go. Uh, I never felt locked in in Limited with this format. I didn't feel like I had two or three decks that I had to play or I was screwed. Uh, there was a lot of game in all the decks. My biggest complaint in Limited was it was so close to perfect. If only they could have given a little more support to the red-blue and the blue-white decks, I think we would have had one of the best limited formats of all time. The problem is those two decks basically had to have multiple copies of their uncommon two-color creature, or they were ineffective. Especially the blue-white one. I never drafted that. I drafted a fair amount of blue-red. Uh, but yeah, no. I think it was really great. I think your drafting choices really mattered. There, uh, It was such an aggressive format that bombs didn't feel super bomby. Like, I don't, they resolve this, I lose. Because a lot of times you could just kill them before that. So, yeah, Or no. kill them around it. Yeah, exactly. So, I don't have much to say about Phyrexia All Will Be One. I hope that March the Machine is just as good. I'm not sure yet. We'll reserve judgment for next week. Um, anything else you want to add? Did I miss anything? No, I think that's it. Cool, guys. Like I said, it was going to be a shorter episode this week. It is getting late. It is past my bedtime. Um, as always, you can find me at Twitter at PlayToYourOuts. You can find the podcast at TOFA Podcast. You can email us at uh, Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, don't forget, if you're listening on Spotify or uh, what is that, Apple Podcasts, make sure to leave a review. Five stars would be awesome. Tell us what you think. We, I still haven't had a chance to teach Josh how to use Twitter, so he's still in yeah, the dark ages. We do got to do that. So, guys, until next time, uh, take it easy. We'll see you guys next week. <laughs>